so we're going to have our Bible reading now, and uh, Karen is going to read that for us. Thanks, Karen. Okay. Today's reading is from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. For everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. better than last night. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was what I did for about uh, how many years, mum and dad? Um, eight or nine years uh, through schooling. Scales. Um, I'm not even going to attempt arpeggios. I'll just muck that up. Uh, and uh, from about, I think it was year four, I started learning piano. Um, and a lot of what I learned was technique. I still feel my high school piano teacher sitting next to me and telling me that my posture was not quite right and how to, how to fix that and how to improve that. And um, if I had a dollar for every scale that I practiced uh, and gave that to my parents, it might pay for all the tuition they paid. Um, through my learning pianos. So I, I grew up and learned classical piano when I was uh, you know, younger and uh, uh, went through AME. Anyone do AME B exams? Yes. Um, Clayton's like, yes. Uh, TE, piano. Uh, I, at that, that, that level, I was um, about, oh, TE is like ATAR now. I did about grade seven um, AME B, as well as all of the theory um, and, like I said, technique and all of the background. Um, with a lot of a lot of this every almost every day, um, but of course that wasn't the point um, to be able to just end up playing scales and knowing theory and understanding how chord structures work and all of that kind of thing. Um, all of that learning and all of that practice and technique and theory and everything helped me to actually play songs. Right? Anyone know the song? Yeah. One of the most famous. Yeah, anyway. And so it goes on. I remember a little bit more, and then after that, it's all gone. Um, uh, however, in high school, I only, I only learned to play um, probably like five, maybe six songs every year because the, the style of learning and the classical, um, uh, you know, classical piano and going through A, M, E, B, and everything. Uh, the whole point was the, the kind of building up the theory and the technique and learning, you know, and, and then basically perfecting about five, maybe six songs to perform at 
a um, maybe in a Steadford or a performance night, and then ultimately to the end at the end of the year to sit in a room with a couple of panelists and to play everything and do the scales very very nervously, and then to get an A or a B or a B plus or whatever the score was at an exam. And then about two weeks after that, I will have promptly forgotten how to play all of those songs because I will have moved on to the next grade um, for the next year. Um, so one example of that was when I got to the highest level I reached, which was grade seven. Um, Mum will remember this song because I played it about 7,000 times a week. Uh, this, this song called Romans by, I can't remember who it was by. And this was my sort of primary, like, like you know, key piece for TE music as well. And uh, I, I don't really remember much about the, the notes. I just, it's all muscle memory. Um, and uh, that's, this is sort of what I remember of it. Um, I do remember the main part, because I probably practiced this more than anything. And that was the, that was the big kind of, you know, part of the song. Um, and then after that, it's, it's all gone. I could, could, wouldn't have a clue what the rest of, how the rest of the song goes. Uh, but I kind of got towards the end of that period of my life and then let, you know, finished school um, and didn't go on to you know, study music at uni or anything. Um, and kinda, uh, So I kind of wondered, like, what was the point of all of this? Um, because I learned five or six songs a year. I promptly forgot most of them within two weeks of having done the final exam. And um, I, am, I didn't like most of them. I, I don't listen to classical music. <laughs> it's not my favourite thing to listen to, no offence to classical music fans. But um, what, you know, what was the point of all that? Now, thankfully, there was a point, because after school, I got involved in you know, playing music in church, and, and all of that music theory, right, all of that understanding of the chord progressions and, um, you know, and, and, and good technique and theory and all that kind of thing. It just helps me to be able to play along with others, to improvise. And actually, most of the time, I can pick up a song just by ear because I, I, I just understand the music so well, you know, kind of to a high level. Um, in fact, I, I rarely use sheet music anymore. And, you know, if I've listened to the song enough, I can usually pick out all the chords and sometimes I have to check one or two. But that's just that, that strong grounding that I had. Um, now, some people learn very, very differently to me. So I was talking to Ethan this morning and he learnt mostly by ear and then he picked up a lot of the skills and theory along the way. Um, so I think uh, he said he had about one year of flute lessons and yet he's now gone beyond I have studying it. You know, studying music and all of, all of that kind of thing. So, a, a question: Which is more important? Is it the, the theory and the technique um, and, and all of that understanding, all the, the sort of behind all of the music, or are the actual songs more important? Yeah, so it's 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 sort of a false question, right? Because like obviously we ne- we need both. Like without the theory, the songs won't come together. Um, well, they can, but it's not like you're going to have beautiful compositions. If you've got kind of no understanding, you can jump on YouTube, you know, like YouTube worship music guide, and it'll teach you to do this. You know. have a clue what you're playing but you just know it might work if you put a drummer in the background (laughs) you know that's very very simple but you know to to start to create beautiful music and beautiful compositions you you need the theory but then you need to put it into practice Um, but that doesn't negate the fact that no one actually 
wants to rock up to a performance or a worship service where we use music as a tool in, in our worship of God, no one wants to rock up at one of those things and hear this. Like, for example, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Billabong. Uh, let us worship God with the scale of C major. And now D major. Right? No one wants to do that. It's, it's, it's of no you know, purpose, really. Um, the goal is always, you know, does the Father truly love us? You know, like it, it's always the music. Um, that, that's, that's the goal. Uh, I think that for a long time in the Western church, Christian maturity uh, has been understood as knowledge. It's the the theory and the technique and the background understanding of discipleship to Jesus. That this is what, this is kind of, this is maturity. This is real wisdom as a Christian. But ultimately, I think Jesus closes his most famous uh, sermon, his core teaching, by saying, you've got to actually play the music. That's kind of the point. (laughs) And he says, wise is the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Wise is the one who hears these words of mine and, and, if you like, plays the songs, plays the music. Hearing them, hearing his words, knowing them, even internalizing them is, is one thing, but doing them is what it's all about. And Jesus, he doesn't in any way diminish the hearing and the understanding at all. Um, it's, it's there, it's important, it's this house he talks about, but he says that without application, we're like a great house, that will be a total waste because the foundation is insignificant. Now, let's think about that for a second. What, what is the foundation he's talking about? When we think about foundation, I wonder, have you ever heard someone say that if a, if a Christian is going to go and do some kind of ministry and be equipped to go and do, do good works uh, you know, uh, that will expand God's kingdom and grow, grow, that they need a kind of solid foundation. In other words, they need that teaching and they need that knowledge and the understanding to be well-equipped to go out and, and, and do good ministry, do good things. Yet Jesus says... The foundation is the action, whilst the knowledge is what gets built on that foundation. It, it sounds to us to be back to front. And I, I was reading this thing, okay, am I missing something here? Has Jesus, has Jesus kind of you know, slipped up and he got it the wrong way around? But remember what else Jesus said. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when I, again, when I think about you know, what, what feeds me, what feeds us spiritually, um, I think about things like time in his word, time in Christian community, prayer, good Bible teaching, good grounding, all, all of this. This is the stuff that kind of, we would say, feeds me, feeds us, so I have what I need to do to go and do good works, to be equipped to, to do the, the good stuff, to let it, that overflow into into. Uh, mission and, and, and love of others. Now, there's a lot of wisdom, of course, in ensuring that 
we are well fed and, and trained and resourced spiritually, emotionally, physically for the work God calls us to do. I don't want to discount any of that. There's, um, there's a lot of stuff coming out now uh, about just how people, about how we need to look after ourselves better to be able to function well, even at a physical level. We're tired and we're stressed and we're busy and, and you know, to look after ourselves, to be well you know, the good, good foundation, the good, well-fed. But I think Jesus is, is getting at something here that it just doesn't quite compute with our Western mindset, especially in the church. And that shouldn't surprise us because his kingdom doesn't operate like our world. It doesn't operate like our world. Jesus' kingdom advances and we grow and mature and become wise through simple obedience. That's what he's saying, through simple obedience. We're actually fed. This is not about um, being obedient so God will love us, but we are, we are fed to grow and mature by obeying, not by the knowledge we think we need to know to know how to obey. And this is the difference between a life, a life of faith that says, I trust in your words, Lord Jesus, I trust in your will and I want to simply be obedient and a life of sight which says I need to know everything to be sure that it's the right thing before I put it into action. And Jesus said we live by faith, not by sight. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that I can now play piano like this and I, I sort of, I almost don't have to think about the, you know, the, the chords and everything now it's sort of so ingrained from all of that theory and learning that I can improvise and I can play along with others well I've got, got that grounding and I recognise right the value the great value of all that knowledge and that technique and training that I had over sort of eight or nine years when I was in school but I do regret that for eight years eight maybe nine years I only ever got to learn and play about five or six songs a year, mostly so I could perform them in an exam and mostly songs that I didn't really like because I'm not really that into classical music, right? Like, I, I, I never listen to classical anymore, but if I'd started, now, if, if I'd started to try to play music at church and, you know, and, and enjoying different styles and improvisation when I was younger, of course the quality wouldn't have been as good. So it would have been kind of, you know, YouTube tutorial, like this is the best I know how to do. And I, and I, I don't sort of have any grounding of what the chords mean and what, what the notes are and how it all fits together and everything. Um, I would have needed the knowledge and the technique and the theory to help me grow in that along the way. So it could move from this to slow, you know, to a little bit more to eventually you know, to be able to do a bit more you know, uh, you know, create creatively and, and make beautiful music. But for eight years it was all weighted towards the theory and the scales and the technique and the perfection of a few pieces of music which I remember about 17 seconds worth of. Unfortunately it's been very, very similar in my faith journey. And I wonder if this has been the experience for you too. I've, I came in faith when I was 17-ish and I've always wanted to grow and, and mature and become more like Jesus, as we all do. If you, when God puts his spirit in us, it, it shapes us to want to become more like him. 
But I've always heard and believed this, this message about growing and maturing. Learn more, hear more, feed more. And, and if I'm honest, as a human being, I sort of, I'm comfortable with that. I like that because it's a great way to sort of rationalise that I'm growing and maturing and one day it will help me sort of perform really well. All the while actually just neglecting to make much music at all. To, in faith terms, to practice simple obedience. What I should have heard and believed is that I grow like this, that we grow like this. Be obedient at every opportunity, the best you know how. However unsure you may be, um, however much you might make a bit of a mistake, hang on, wrong wrong note there, Um, and no matter the cost to you, because this is key, when we're obedient it can cost us in following Jesus. But this is what Jesus is saying, is that be obedient at every opportunity, the best you know how. However unsure you are, you might make mistakes. Just practice simple obedience. Um, now the piano, um, th- th- this metaphor today, the piano theory and technique and making music metaphor, um, it actually breaks down a bit uh, in, uh, when we're thinking about faith. Because when I did leave school, it didn't take long for all of that prior learning and theory and, and technique and everything to kick in and I was able quite quickly within you know space of a short amount of time to be able to improvise and play non-classical music at a, at a, at a higher level than most because I had all that background. But, but have a think about Jesus' metaphor. The house is Jesus' words, his instructions, his guidance about kingdom living, right? He said that, you know, why, uh, the one who hears these words, both of them, there's a house. The strong foundation is putting the words in the practice. The weak foundation is not putting the words into practice. Here's the problem with a Christianity that says wisdom and maturity is knowledge and knowing and hearing. If you've built an amazing house, either the, the knowledge, the understanding, if you've built an amazing house on sand, you can't just all of a sudden replace the foundation. No one can pick up a house and while you lay a slab and then plump the house back down again. You have to dismantle the house first. And what I mean by this is that, yes, the house might be great, but one way or another, it's, it's going to need to be taken apart and rebuilt on a foundation of simple obedience because in my, in my experience, there's so much sort of maturity I have in here, knowledge and understanding from you know, training to be a pastor and, and, and reading and learning and everything. There's so much actually up here that actually stops me from simply obeying Jesus sometimes. It actually gets in the way because I sort of almost know too much. And, and the whole point of everything I've learned has been about the learning and not about the practicing, especially when it comes to the simple things like being salt and light. Uh, we talked about a few, uh, last week, I think, when it comes to loving my enemies or, or praying the way Jesus taught, all the things that we've been talking about and, and that we see in especially the Sermon on the Mount. And all of my knowledge, all of that quote-unquote maturity up here might be really sound. It might be really right. 
but the motivation from in my life has so often not been put it into practice. The motivation's been be wise, become you know, more learned and mature. Yet Jesus says wisdom isn't knowledge, wisdom is obedience. And so I have to actually unlearn a lot of that, dismantle the house, to build the foundation on simple obedience. Now, of course, this raises a few questions, really one question with a few you know, facets to it. Obedient to what? <laughs> how do we know? You know, how, you know? When we said Jesus says, those who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, how do we, you know, there's so much damage that can be done by, our, I think this is obedient to God, but it's not. So what, what, what is God saying? How do we know what Jesus is saying and what his words are? What if what I think is obedience is misguided? Um, if we just put the next the, the slide up. Um, first of all, Jesus is referring, of course, in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we read today, he's referring to what he's been teaching. And so it's, you know, it's fair to say we should start with um, the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, which is a repeat of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke's Gospel. Uh, we'll probably never stop learning to put all this, Matthew 5, 6, 7, to put it all into practice, salt and light, you know, loving your enemies, praying simply the prayer you stop, you know, living with generosity, or all of these principles. We'll probably never stop learning that. And if that's all we did, I think Christians and churches would be thriving <laughs> if we just did Sermon on the Mount advice. But clearly Jesus also said other things. Right, so we go there too, that Jesus' teaching and parables and the way he lived and what he displayed and what he taught his disciples. And, and I mean, we might need to start with what's easier to grasp. There's things that are not as easy to grasp but are more contentious. Um, and we can move there as we, we have that foundation of where, you know, Jesus' core teaching. But when we read the Gospels, through the lens of how can I put this into practice, not how do I understand this perfectly, I find it's amazing how much easier it is to understand because we're reading it the right way now. How do I put this into practice in my life? Not how do I understand this and teach it to others or, some, or, or understand it perfectly. And we understand it better when we actually do what Jesus said, put it into practice. That's the foundation. Thirdly, we go to the rest of the Bible, of course, for Jesus' disciples and their disciples, for example, had some... Um, incredible stuff to say and, and it's not just that they had good stuff to say it's that Jesus speaks through them in his word even prior to Jesus God speaks through the prophets and he spoke through the disciples in his word and finally Jesus still speaks and in many ways this is the most important um, not in any way discounting that the, the authority of God's word but this is so important because if we only think that God has spoken around 2,000 years ago but now he's left and he's left it to work us to work it out for ourselves um, and we just need to sort of understand what he said and obey it then of course we're going to spend the majority of our time and our effort trying to just get that interpretation right but this attitude of Holy Spirit how are you directing and leading and speaking to me today, to us today? Because we want to obey you. I think that changes how we read the Bible. It changes how we approach relationships and view the church and evangelism and Christian maturity and everything. 
And there's still that question of, but how do we know? Like, oh, but what if we're being obedient to something we think is God's voice, but it's not? Especially when we're talking about being led by the Spirit and this world of so many different interpretations of the Bible and so on and so forth. Well, let me ask you which of these sounds better. This song, by the way, is, uh, you know, is he worthy? The sort of introduction. So there's option one. Now here's option two. Which was the better option? Okay, it's pretty clear, right? Now, most of those two things I played were identical and, and right. Um, the, the chord structure in my, my left hand and, my, and the melody and, and the sort of thing I was playing with my right hand, the rhythm, all correct, all perfect in both circumstances. It's just that in the second one, my left hand was in the wrong place in relation to my right hand. So it was just a bit off, right? So rather than that, left hand's in the wrong place. So there's only one thing out, but the, the result is totally different. One's terrible and the other one's beautiful. Putting into practice the actual words of Jesus, whether that be his written word or his, his present word to us today by his Holy Spirit, it'll produce something beautiful. We will see it by its fruit. We'll identify it by its fruit. The opposite is true as well. We get, when we get this, right? And you might go, well, why do I think Western Christianity has got it wrong so often and, and turned maturity into knowledge and understanding and, and not obedience? Well, look at the results. Look at uh, seven decades of decline in Christianity in Australia. It's like this. <laughs> that, that's, that's that. Europe, the, you know, the European church, the American church, struggling and divided. You know, these were the powerhouses of the gospel some decades ago. But what about our... Middle Eastern brothers and sisters, under persecution, struggling to even get Bibles, let alone Bible colleges, just reading the word when they can, however they can, and going, we should do, we should do this. Well, they, thriving, right? Underground churches in, in China and the, the Middle East, absolutely booming and beautiful beautiful results people coming to faith lives being changed cities being transformed and then there's the western church <laughs> and it's poor and malnourished see when we obey we see the results um, it's not often that we get to see this though as it's happening and I want, so I want to show you a clip this morning and um, what this clip is, is uh, from a, a documentary. Anyone heard of The Chosen? Of course, you've heard me talk about it. Um, uh, the Chosen is a, a TV show that was created, crowdfunded, created by a group of people about the life of Jesus and his disciples. And um, uh, it's much better quality than the majority of Christian media, shall we say. And, and they found, there's been amazing response to the first two seasons of it, and they found that... Um, there was a much 
bigger and better response to this show with Generation Z than they expected. Gen Z is like younger than me. Who's in Gen Z? Yeah, just a, a few, like just Damon. Um, right, so Gen responded far better than they expected, right? Young adults, youth. And so they got about 10 Gen Zers and they put them in a room and they said, uh, they, they, they called them and said, we, we've created a show, your generation has responded far better than we expected. And so we want to, um, we want to do a documentary. We get you in the room and we, you're not going to know what the show is. We just want you to respond and talk about it authentically on camera. So I did this and I watched this documentary. It's beautiful the way these young people responded to, um, to this show and just some of them had, had, had been hurt by the church. Some of them had really no background with the church. Some of them, it, it, a good you know, relationship to the church, but the way they responded to the life of Jesus in this show was just amazing and really encouraging. There's one moment where they, they surprised these young people with a, a, um, a meeting with Jesus not literally with Jesus, but the guy who plays Jesus. His name is Jonathan Rumi. He's a born-again Catholic, a beautiful guy, and um, beautiful heart and, and, and attitude and the way he's approached the whole project. So they met up with him and got around in a circle and, and, and just were having conversations and recorded some of this. And uh, I want to play a clip of his conversation with one of the young guys who watched the show. Who His spiritual journey is like not really with the church and he kind of gone and explored things and he sort of said he made up his mind that you know, I think there's more like many gods and stuff. And as I said, it's not often that you see in process someone hearing and sensing the voice of the Holy Spirit and putting it into practice. And I watched this, and as the conversation was going, I was like, if I was in Jonathan's shoes, what would I say right now? Because there's a bit of opportunity here, but I was like, I'd probably do this. And then I saw what Jonathan did, and it, just, it, it so moved me, because uh, he, he just, I just think what Jonathan did in this moment is responded to what God was saying. And So I want to play this clip and, uh, and show you what happens. But it gave me the nudge. Growing up, I didn't really have much faith. Um, I did a lot of research on Buddhism, Egyptian culture. Um, so I ended up choosing to believe in many gods. I refuse to believe that there's just one higher power out there. Um, I like to believe that everybody deserves a chance to believe in anything that they want to. Um, that being said, you know, it took a while. Um, and I'm constantly saying, you know, God is good. You know, God bless, blessings. Then why don't you, can I ask you a question? Why don't you say that gods are good? I'm back and forth with it. Um, back and forth meaning the, the phrase or the, the phrase. idea of one versus many? <laughs> I would say back and forth with one versus many if I am to be honest. And, you know, watching The Chosen helped me, you know, open up a little bit more and, and get a better understanding of who Jesus was. God is calling you. Yeah, he wants to know you on a deeper level. And so that tug that you're feeling, that's Christ trying to get to know you. That's what that is. 
you've got nothing to lose to explore. And as you get closer and closer, you'll know what's true. But I think he's calling you. And I just felt I should share that with you. Thank you. I'll pray for you. You guys have been so awesome. So open and um, vulnerable and so on. The interaction between me and Jonathan definitely felt like Jesus or God or God's was speaking to me through him. Come here, brother. That guy has, uh, I watched a live stream about a year later and he's, Jonathan's followed up with him and this guy's since been on a, a journey with Jesus and his life's turning around. Um, and uh, I just, I love that because when I watch that, I, I see inaction, like simple obedience. And, you know, Jonathan, he was, he was salt and light there. He responded to the Holy Spirit. There was no judgment. It was just a, a simple obedience. Um, while the cameras are rolling and everyone's watching, he just didn't care about any of that. It's what the Holy Spirit was doing. And obedience really will produce the fruit, you know, the song, if you like, of the kingdom. When it's all said and done, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, why, why is it? Why, why is it... Uh, that we do tend to gravitate towards knowledge and understanding and, and not this kind of simple obedience. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it it's, can be challenging and uncomfortable. But why, why is it? And I wonder if the, maybe the main reason is that we lose sight, not by any fault of anyone's, but just, just we sort of drift and we lose sight of how powerful God is. We forget what God is capable of. You know, and, and that simple obedience on our part is all he needs because he is more than able to do the rest. It's not about us and what we can do and what we know. It's about what God can do. You know, so, so David was obedient uh, when he was forced uh, so when he, when he faced Goliath with five stones, but David didn't kill Goliath. God took care of Goliath. Joshua was obedient by uh, marching around Jericho with trumpets as if that was going to do anything. <laughs> but God took down the walls. Right? Moses was obedient to stand up to Pharaoh, but it was God who dealt with the Egyptians, not Moses. Daniel was obedient to pray when he was told not to, despite the circumstances, but God shut the mouths of the lions. Mary and Joseph were obedient to carry and raise Jesus, but it was God who sent his son, his one and only son, to become one of us, to live, to die, to rise for us. The disciples were obedient to go out in pairs and, and do the stuff that Jesus told them to do. But they didn't heal the sick in and, and cast out demons. God healed the sick and cast out demons as they were obedient. And finally, Joseph of Arimathea was obedient to bury Jesus' body in a tomb because he had the resources to do so. And, but this is the key. God raised Jesus from the dead. Our God can raise 
people from the dead, our God can raise things and circumstances from death to life. Our God can do anything he wants to do. He's powerful. He's able. He's bigger than any one of us or any combination of all of us. Our God is the one who is able. And so I think it's important for us to go, where is our focus? Is it on what we can do and what we should do or shouldn't do or how we should do it or when we should or why we should? Or is it on what God can do and what God is doing and how he's inviting us into that? Because when that's our focus, what matters most is just simple obedience to what he invites us into. And so I just, my prayer is that we would remind ourselves of that this morning. I want to sing a song with you all um, that you won't have sung before, but is just a reminder that God can do anything. He is the one who is able. And uh, that if we focus our eyes, uh, fix our eyes and our hearts on that truth, um, then it shifts how we live out this faith. So why don't you stand and um, you're welcome to just listen to the verses. And-